Welcome to my house. Welcome to the Structure Talk podcast, a production of Structure Tech Home Inspections. My name is Ruben Saltzman. I'm your host, alongside building science geek, Tessa Murray. We help home inspectors up their game through education, and we help homeowners to be better stewards of their houses. We've been keeping it real on this podcast since 2019, and we are also the number one home inspection podcast in the world, according to my mom. Welcome to another episode of the Structure Tech Podcast. Good morning, Tessa. How are you doing today? Hey, Ruben. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I can't complain. Not too much. You know what? I always say that. I could complain just a little bit. It's okay to complain now and then. I'll tell you, I am a hurting unit. I had a wipeout. I've got one of those one wheels. It's like it's an electric skateboard type of thing, but you stand sideways. Of course sideways. you do. <laughs> of course I do. And I, I take that thing disc golfing and it's it's like my personal golf cart. And I was on a really soggy field one of those days right after the snow melted when it was 80 degrees. It was several weeks ago, but super mm-hmm. soggy field, just had to get after it. And I, I lost control. It went out on me. I mean, just, I've never, I had it all last year, never wiped out once, but I had a gnarly wipeout. Thought I broke my collarbone and I got like I screwed up one shoulder because I landed on it and I screwed up the other one because I got whiplash. And it's just, it's been a slow recovery. And then I'm, I, I'm playing softball with my church, my men's league. And, uh, and then I, I pulled the leg muscle on top of it. So I am a hot mess right now. I got, oh I got like God. a nasty pull in my leg and my shoulders are ruined. So I'm, I'm frustrated about all of that. I was going to say you're able to throw a softball, so you must be recovering. But but that doesn't stop you, right, Ruben? Aren't you yeah, still a part of uh, CrossFit? I'm st- I'm still going to the gym. Yeah, I'm still doing CrossFit. Shouldn't I? Probably shouldn't. I took a week off. I did take a week off, but <laughs> I can't stay away. It's so addicting. I wish I had your energy. <laughs> or if you did it for a week, you'd probably become hooked. Everybody does. But yeah, what what's new in your world, Tess? Well, this weekend was the 100 mile garage sale, which is an annual event. I guess it's a, it's a really big thing from Red Wing to Winona. I helped my Willowbrook Farms, the place that I work for, have this really big garage sale. And we gathered up lots of leftover decor from weddings and linens and things that the owner was trying to get rid of and set it up in this huge barn on tables. And it took several days of moving and set up and everything. And this was this was funny. I sent you a text. You remember, Ruben, I sent you a text the other day of picture of a dining room table leg assembly. And I said, here's another example <laughs> of needing one of the tools on your every homeowner should have tool list. I needed a deep socket wrench and I didn't have one <laughs> to tighten the nuts on that table leg. <laughs> and it was so frustrating, right? It was. Oh. Yes. 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 Oh, you made my day with that text, Tess. It was like, <laughs> all right, justification. I know she was secretly rolling her eyes at me, but I, I was. I was like, Ruben would be laughing at me right now. So I just stay tuned. I'm. I wonder what's going to happen next week. I'm going to need some weird tool that I never use, probably, to keep this going. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. We're on a roll, Tess. Good stuff. <laughs> 
So anyways, what uh, what's the topic of today? Well, today, you know what? I thought we'd go over an email. I got this, uh, I, I won't say the full name because I didn't get permission, but we'll just say Christopher. Christopher wrote in about the podcast and he's he's starting a new home inspection business and he had some questions about getting into it. He's looking for some advice about, you know, really what to do during the first three months to get the ball rolling. And so at, at first I thought he was talking about just business advice, but he says he's already got insurance and he's got a, uh, a certification through a home inspection organization. And, but he's mostly looking for advice on the actual inspections. He's talking about advice on the do's and don'ts for a noob, for someone who hasn't done this before. He's really concerned about liability and he's concerned about making mistakes and how to, you know, what, what are the, how do you, how do I not make these mistakes? How do I not get sued in my first three months of business? So he's got, he's got a bunch of different questions here. And I thought that's a fun thing to talk about because you and I were just discussing that offline uh, besides this email, right? I thought that it'd be a really good podcast to dive into kind of some of the things that you've learned as a business owner running a home inspection company, do's, don'ts, lessons, guidance, you know, recommendations. So let's dive into it. Sure. All right. Let's talk about it. So we're going to do this in no particular order because we have not thought our thoughts out well enough to make them logical. (laughs) It's just going to be (laughs) stuff that comes to mind. You know, a lot of these podcasts, we take a blog post that I've written or a video that I did, and it's already been thought through and researched. This is all off the Mm -hmm. cuff. Sorry, this is just a conversation between me and Tessa. Let's just start with some of the terms we got in Christopher's email. One of the things he said is, and I'm not even going to throw any home inspection organizations under the bus here, but he says, I'm certified and licensed and blah, blah, blah through this organization. I'll start off by saying, your home inspection certification means squat. It's something that home inspection organizations love to pat themselves on, on on the back over and make a big deal about. You know, you're you're this this certified, that certified, blah blah blah. And you know what? It doesn't mean you know how to do a home inspection. It means that you spent a little bit of time watching some videos, or you sat through a class, and you sent in some money, and that's about it. I mean. It doesn't take much. You, you had to pass some type of test. If you're if you're certified through Internachi, you got to take their at home exam. I think they now have proctoring for their exam, where they they have somebody watch you mm-hmm. on a video camera. If you're Ashy certified, you know Ashy's got different levels of certification. One of them mm-hmm. is an Ashy inspector. That's where you haven't yet passed the national home inspector exam. The other is the Ashy certified inspector. It means you have passed the national home inspector exam, and you've completed at least 250 fee-paid home inspections. I I think it's one of the higher certifications you can have, but still, it doesn't mean you're any good. There's a lot of other stuff that means you're a good home inspector that means you know what you're talking about. You can do 250 inspections on your own, and you can do 250 of them really, really poorly. It doesn't mean you know what you're doing. And I, Tess, I mean, I think you know where I'm going with this. What does it take to to get good at home inspections and know what you're doing? At least for me, it was shadowing a bunch of people that knew what they were doing and picking up information and knowledge from a vast array of people. I knew you'd know where I was going with this, Tess. (laughs) I'm glad I answered correctly. (laughs) How else are you going to know what you're doing? That, yeah. That's it. Unless you're following somebody around who knows what they're doing, it doesn't matter how many classes you take. 
you've got to shadow people. And I mean, at Structure Tech, we've talked about it on the podcast a number of times, but it's probably been a few years since we discussed it. I mean, how, how many ride-alongs do we have our inspectors do before they go out on their own? Oh my gosh. Well, it all varies, but we, we had inspectors going out on multiple inspections for at least three months. Yeah. Multiple inspections a day, I should say. We're, we're talking a ton. I mean, probably somewhere around 100, 150 inspections. At least 100. Yep. It's a lot. So if, if you're not doing that, I don't care what kind of background you have, whether you were in the trades, you were, you know, you've been a plumber, an electrician and all that. It's like, it doesn't matter. That doesn't equate to home inspection experience. You may be very knowledgeable, but it doesn't mean that you were skilled at finding defects inside a house. It's, it's two different things. Uh, and I, I'll add to this too. I learned a lot of things of like what not to do. That's one of Chris's questions of like, what can I, what can I avoid to reduce my liability? And it's like, there were so many stories I heard while I was shadowing from different inspectors on things that resulted in a disaster. And that stuck with me and helped me avoid making the same mistakes. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and if you want to hear some of those, I mean, for any podcast listeners, find our podcast on some, some of our top home inspection mistakes. I mean, besides just being great stories where you can laugh at me and, <laughs> and some me. other people on our, and you uh, laugh at some people on our team, it's a lot of mistakes that a lot of home inspectors have made. Learn from our mistakes. Yeah. Trust us. Don't do this. I'm stubborn. I mean, I've got to I don't know. I have a tough time learning from other people's mistakes. I got to make them myself. But if I were smarter, I would learn from others' mistakes a lot quicker. You know, I think it's one thing to hear something, you know, but then it's another thing to actually do it. I've made my own fair share of mistakes as well. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so check out check out those those past episodes of our podcast. Look for home inspection mistakes. We've got a gazillion of them. For just some general stuff, I, I jotted down a couple of ideas. And this is more on the liability side, making sure you don't get sued. When you're brand new, you get your first home inspection. I think there's a tendency for home inspectors to just be so excited they got their first job that they're going to skip some of the more important stuff like getting their home inspection agreement signed. Yeah. I've heard multiple stories of home inspectors where they didn't get it signed. It was their first one. They forgot or they just, they didn't know how to tactfully get their agreement signed and they got sued on their very first home inspection. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, how bad yes. would that be? So get your home inspection agreement signed and don't try to have your client sign it on site. You need to have a way of sending it to your client ahead of time. Now, we use ISN. If you're brand new to business, you're surely not going to have anything fancy like that. You're going to be doing this on the back of a postage stamp, essentially. That's how everybody starts with their first inspection. But at least you should have some type of agreement that your insurance company helped you produce. And you can email it over to your client and tell your client, look, I need you to sign this and send it back to me if you don't have some type of electronic signature capture system. Or you, know, you can tell them, print it out and sign it and take a picture with your phone. Or my insurance company has told me this is acceptable. Just have your client email you back and say, I have read the agreement and I agree to the terms. That's good enough. It's not like you need some mm -hmm. stupid electronic signature. Just, just have them acknowledge that they got it. They understand it. They read it. That's good enough. So get that done before the inspection. If you don't, if you do it on site, I've heard from numerous insurance companies 
that attorneys can argue that this was signed under duress. They did not have mm-hmm. time to do it. They didn't have any choice but to sign it. And any logical person wouldn't actually take the time to read it in full. They had to sign it. Therefore, the contract is null and void. Attorneys have found ways of making it null and void by making people sign on site. So Yikes. don't ever have your client sign the inspection agreement on site. Mm-hmm. That is really, really good advice. You know, along those lines, we, you know, we talked about just the technical aspect of, you know, what are some things you can do in listening to that podcast would be really good about how, you know, don't make the same mistakes we made. But we have another podcast too, talking about our inspection process. If you're interested in hearing kind of how we go through a house and what we inspect and what we don't, we went into Mm. detail on that, didn't we? Yeah. Over a few different podcasts. It was over a few different podcasts. We should. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, Tess, those, the the home inspection mistakes and the home inspection process, those are some of the most downloaded podcast episodes we've ever done. Ah, They kind of top our charts. Yeah. Okay. Those were very popular. I know I don't share these stats with you because, you know. And I was going to say, the the technical aspect is really important. Obviously, that's what we're here to do is to inspect the house. And we want to do it well and we we want to be accurate and we want to be thorough. But one thing that was interesting to me working for Structure Tech for several years, watching some of the most successful inspectors in the company, I think, were successful because of their their communication with the clients. And one of the most, most important things you can do is to make a connection with your client and really hear them out and understand their expectations and try to deliver on that. And I've seen, I've also seen some other inspectors who you could, you could argue maybe aren't technically the most thorough or accurate, but they've got really good people skills Yep. and they don't get complaints. Yes. And on the other spectrum, inspectors who are really accurate and thorough, good at what they do technically, but don't have great people skills, get complaints about stupid things. Tessa, you hit the nail on the head. (laughs) Yes. There's a... Well, this person isn't in business anymore, and I won't even say where they're located, but it's somebody I know, and this person was one of the most knowledgeable home inspectors I've ever met. They had been doing this forever. I mean, they were, you know, their ashy number was like a double digit number or something, I think. Now, for reference for anybody who doesn't know, they're in the six digits, like super smart inspector, but had horrible bedside manner and had a lot of negative Google reviews, basically just saying they were a jerk. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter how much you know, if you're a jerk, yeah. people want to yeah. work with people they like. So exactly. And I, I don't yep. know how you could possibly work on your personality. I feel like that's just something that we would hire for. Cause I felt like I can't teach someone to have a good personality, yeah. but no, you, um, you can't, th- there are but things for you Christopher- can do. Yeah. For for Christopher, who's writing in or anyone else that's listening, I think it's really important to take some time when you meet your client on site, whenever that is, to you know, hear out what their concerns are, understand their questions, and explain what you're doing, explain what you're looking at, what you're inspecting, and what you can't inspect. And just make sure that you're making that client feel heard. And at the end of the day, um, if there is something that you missed, you're much less likely to get sued over it because of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just, just making that personal connection. And Tessa, it's so funny you say that because I just read a review that came in overnight 
And mm. this is a Google review. So this is public information. I'm not yeah. going to be sharing anything that's not out there publicly. In part of this review, this woman left a glowing review. She said, the inspector and my fiance also connected over their shared knowledge of Star Trek, which helped make <laughs> a more personal connection. Like this is right in the five-star review. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. I just, I love it. it. It just speaks to the importance of making those connections. Yes. Super, oh. super important. That's great. And I think I know who that inspector is. <laughs> <laughs> we won't say. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and along that, one of the best books I've read on that, I think you know what I'm going to say. It's uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yes. Timeless classic. Yes. Yep. We've mentioned that on the podcast a few times, I think, but it's good to just bring it up again. And are there other books, Ruben, that you would recommend for people that are thinking about starting their own business or you know, are running their own business and are looking for recommendations on good good reading? Oh man, Tess, I've got so many books. I, I came out with my recommended reading list back in 2019 and mm -hmm. I had it pulled into books for everyone, books on business, books on health and fitness, blah, blah, blah. And I just did it again. I, I just did another one this year. What was it? Uh, in March, I did another blog post called Ruben's Recommended Reading for 2023, my favorite books from the past four years. And it doesn't oh, mean great. books that were published in the last four years. It's just, here's an update to my last list. Here's Here's some of my favorites over the last four years. And I don't want to bore you with all of them here. I'm curious to dive into your lists and maybe we'll have to talk about that on another podcast. But yeah, what are some of your top business book recommendations? Dare to Lead, Brave Work, Tough Conversations, Whole Hearts by Brene Brown. Lots mm -hmm. of discussion around leadership, trust, shame for perfectionism, vulnerability, sympathy versus emotion, just relating to people. Brene Brown and... and yeah. I like audiobooks. She read her own audiobook, which is especially great. She's very entertaining. Lo love her books. Who, not how. Really good book once you get into hiring and starting to grow your business. And the, the premise of this is that quit focusing on how you're going to get things done. Think more about who can you bring in your world who already knows how to do it, and then they can get it done. Like Tessa, mm -hmm. if you're trying to build a website, quit trying to spend all your time thinking about how am I going to build this? How am I going to find content? How am I going to figure out which platform to use and publish it and who's going to host it? And instead think, who can help me do this? And who's going to yeah. hold my hand? The, yes. So the, the book is called Who Not How. That's the essence of it. But there's just so many aha things I took out of it. Another uh -huh. good one. This one, I would not have sought this book out. I don't think he's a walking over to pick it up off my desk. The author's name is Ryan Hawk. The book is Welcome to Management. <laughs> I, I, I saw this guy speak live, semi-live. It was a very intimate event and I got his book for free and it was fantastic. The, the subtitle is How to Grow from Top Performer to Excellent, Excellent Leader. It's, it's really, it's not for the one person shop, but a great book on leadership and, and getting into management. And then, What's it called again? Uh, it's called Welcome to Management. Okay. And the dude is just super smart. I, I was so impressed by this guy. And then, uh, okay, two more. Yeah. These are, these are the more recent ones. The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. And it's talking about 
Well, I'll just read my summary here. I, I said that finite games have a fixed set of rules, known scoring methods, and a, an agreed-upon objective. But infinite games have known and unknown players, no agreed-upon rules. There's no such thing as winning. And the primary objective objective is to keep playing. And examples of infinite games, things that have no end to them, you can't win at these things, are things like marriage, education, careers, and global politics. And it's so important if you want to be, well, it depends on how you define success, but it's changing your definition of success for your own business to not think about winning, but think about continuing to play the game and going on forever. And it's changing your mission statement, thinking about what it is that you're trying to accomplish. If you if you set out to establish a business where you say, my goal is, is to earn a million dollars a year. Well, once you earn that million dollars a year, you're, you're rudderless. What's what, what, yeah, yeah, what's next? You know what, Ruben? I think just hearing you talk about this, it's helping expand your perspective on, you know, on the mission, on your purpose for your business. And instead of thinking, you know, in a, in a close up, you know, um, perspective, you're taking a step back and looking at yeah. it from like 10,000 foot view. Yes. And I think that's really important just long term for the, for the, for society and for our planet <laughs> as a whole. Like we need to be thinking about that. You so know? true. So true. Perspective. So that's, that's great. And I'll, g- I'll like give you one more. This one is Extreme Ownership by Jacko Willink. And Leif Babin, again, the book is Extreme Ownership, How U.S. Navy SEALs Lead and Win. And the the basis of this is that no matter what happens to you in your life, there's something you could have done differently to change the outcome. It's about owning everything that happens to you. And everybody mm-hmm. ought to read this book. Doesn't matter who you are, what you do, but it's really it's really focused more on business leadership. So really enjoyed that one too. I, one of the things that's so important, if you are going to be running your own company, Ruben, you were a good example of this, was just having humility. And like you said, being willing to just be real and be human and admit when you make mistakes because no one is perfect. I think it just builds trust and builds respect within the company. Yeah, it does. And something I've found is that the more you know and the more experience you have, the easier it is to admit when you don't know something. I it yeah. it seems counterintuitive maybe, but I mean the more I the more experience I got, the easier it was for me to say, "Ah, great question. I have no idea. Yeah. I've never seen one of these yeah. before." And you know, in the back of my yeah. mind, what I'm not saying aloud is I'm thinking to myself, "I've done thousands of inspections and I've never mm-hmm. seen one, and it's okay." It doesn't mean this I'm yeah. a rookie or I don't know what I'm doing. It means ah, right. never seen one, but I'll look into it for you. Never seen one. And I exactly. got way more confident with saying I don't know. But in the past, you know, when I was only at this for a year or whatever, it would really scare me to say that. Yes. Yeah. I think it just, you know, it, the comfort level comes from having more confidence. Like the more you do something, the easier it gets, the more confident you get at it, and the more comfortable you are being a little bit more vulnerable. Yeah. So how do you learn that? How do you do it first off? I don't know. Oh, man. 
man. <laughs> I wish I had some uh, good advice. You know what we do when we were training our new inspectors? It was like, okay, you're brand new at this. You don't need to tell your clients that like this is your second inspection or like first inspection, but you are going to run across things you've never seen before and you are going to have questions asked of you that you don't know the answer and that's okay. And what we want to do is tell that client, hey, that's a really good question. And I haven't come across that before, but let me ask the team and I will get back to you with an yes. answer. You don't need to explain anything else. That's fine. And that's, that's your that's going to be a solid answer from day one to day 1001 for you yep. as a home inspector. Timeless reply. Well put, Tess. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I like it. All right. Well, that's a good, that's a really good book list. And I know um, that was hard for you to just give me like, what was that? Maybe six books, seven books? Because I'm Something sure like you've that. got hundreds on that list, right? <laughs> yeah. Those, those are the latest ones on business and leadership, but we'll, we'll put okay. links in the show notes. We'll get, we'll give a bunch more books. That's interesting. Would you say that your kind of view of running a business has evolved over the last few years, like where you were at three years ago and the coaching you were receiving, the books you were reading is different than kind of what you're diving into today? Not not entirely. I think it's pretty similar. Okay. I I think the biggest difference today is that I've found a lot of people to take on a lot of the tasks that I used to do. I'm constantly asking mm -hmm. myself, I know I've shared this with you, Tess. I've got two things at the bottom of my screen I look at every day. One of them, it's printed out, it says, who else can do this? And the mm -hmm. other says, is this the best use of my time? And I'm always trying to think yeah. about who else can do stuff so I can do higher level activities. And I, mm -hmm. I try to spend a couple of hours a week simply meditating, just thinking about the business, thinking about what I need to do, thinking about what needs to fill my task list. And I, I spend way more time in silence and reflection than I ever used mm -hmm. to. And yeah. lots of ideas come to me. So I'm doing a lot more deep work, working on the business than I used to. It used to be so much more caught in the whirlwind and yep. I could barely keep my head above water. So what I yeah. do day to day has changed, but the the ideology hasn't. For the people listening to this that are out there that are just a, you know, running their own business and it's a very small company, maybe they're doing it all on their own or they have a spouse helping them or they maybe just have one or two other employees. That's really challenging because they don't have a client care coordinator to pass this off to or, you know, a, a someone to handle the complaints. Like they're the person that everything has to go through and they have to be able to do all these little tasks and take a step back and reflect and and recalibrate and, you know, plan a, a path forward. So do you have any advice for people that feel like they might be struggling with the minutia, but they can't pass it off? I don't know if this is going to answer your question or not, but it's the first thing I thought of. And one of the things that's tough to juggle for newer home inspectors is answering the phone versus doing the home inspection. Because if you're in the middle of a home inspection and you get a call coming in, that might be someone who wants to book with you and it's impossible yeah. to not take that call. But yeah. if you're in the middle of an inspection, you cannot take that call. <laughs> you are interrupting your clients. And I know there's many home inspectors who they say, well, then I turn to my client and say, would you excuse me? This call won't be more than one minute. And just, I'm in the middle of an inspection. Can I call you back? Okay, I get that. 
that's works for you. I think it's totally unprofessional to do that. You should not be taking any calls unless it's your office and your office knows that this interruption can only be 10 seconds. You can be like, Hey, this is my office. This will be really quick. Excuse me. It might be about the inspection we're on right now. All right. You can take those, but that's about it. Otherwise, no taking calls during the inspection. That was just a hard line. I was, I would always draw on the sand. But one thing I did do is I would change my voicemail every day, maybe even twice a day. It would always be a fresh, mm-hmm. fresh voicemail. And it would go something like this. I might, I'm a little rusty. I haven't done this for about 15 years, Tess, but it'd be something like, <laughs> we'll forgive you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hi. This is Ruben with Structure Tech Home Inspections. Today is, Monday, June 1st, and I am doing a home inspection from 8 a.m. to noon. I will be returning calls immediately after that, and I have openings for home inspections as early as tomorrow. So if you need a home inspection as early as tomorrow, please leave me a message. I will be sure to get back to you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. That's my message. It's Mm -hmm. like I'm saying when I'm going to call them back, what I'm doing right now, and when my next availability is. I think that's about the best I could do short of having somebody else answer the phone or taking a call in the middle of my home inspection. And it worked really well. Yeah, I, I would get yeah, a lot of messages from people saying, that's great. I need an inspection tomorrow. Now, hopefully it wouldn't be like five people leaving that message. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I never had that problem. But, that's really good advice. Really good advice. You know, along those lines, Ruben, I wonder what information do you wish you would have known when you started? Structure Tech was not started by you. It started in the, what was it, 87? Well, Neil was actually not even the original owner of Structure Tech either, but we're going way back here. The point is, is that when you took over Structure Tech, you dove in and there was a lot of stuff that you probably didn't know, but you figured out and you've learned along the way. And there's been some bumps and bruises, but you know, you are where you are today and you run a successful company. And what advice do you wish you would have known when you started running Structure Tech that you know now that you wish you could tell yourself? Mm, Good question, Tess. Huh. I'd say learn from experienced inspectors. And when they tell you not to do something or to always do something, ask why ask more probing Mm -hmm. questions. Like the home inspector says, don't ever operate this valve. Why? Well, cause it could leak. Have you ever had it leak? Well, no, I've just heard it. Okay. All right. That's fine. But when they say, Mm -hmm. yeah, I had one leak one time and it ruined my day and it cost me a thousand dollars. Oh, okay. All right. Got it. (laughs) Like that's a powerful story. And those mean a ton to me. So just following a lot more advice. Another thing would be following a system, having, having a routine down just about every time I've done something that was stupid or cost me money, or it was, it was a big mistake. It's because I got out of my routine. I, I broke my routine or I broke my system for doing the inspection and it was painful. So stick with your routine, no matter how excited you are to be doing your first couple of home inspections or who's there, whatever. Don't let it break your routine. That's how you'll screw stuff Mm -hmm. up. Good advice. I I wish I had something better for you, Tess. Well, you know, I feel that's a, those are great answers for almost like a, on a home inspector um, level. But what about like running a business, a multi-inspector company? Like what kind of things do you wish you would have, you would have known when you started that you've learned? And this could be anything from like managing people to 
like to different types of software to, you know, anything. That's a broad question. Sorry, yeah. I'm hitting you with this and we didn't prepare. So that's okay. Is, it's it's tough. I'd say trust my gut. Listen to my gut a lot more. I mm. I know that there have been some people that we hired where it didn't work out. And my gut told me in the very beginning that it wasn't going to work out. And it didn't, but it was painful. It was expensive and painful to have these people not work out. And you've heard this before, but it is so true. Can't emphasize it enough. Hire slow, fire quickly. There have been people where this is not when you were a part of the hiring process, but when it was just me, where we hired people too quickly, we didn't do enough vetting. We didn't get to know them well enough. And they, they were bad hires. And there's other people where it took us way too long to get rid of them. I knew in my heart that this person should not be a part of the team and took way too long yeah. to, to let them go. Should have done it way sooner. I think kind of what I hear you saying too is sometimes the, the right thing to do may not be the easiest and you just oh. have to trust your gut and that inner voice, whatever it is within you, and take that leap. Yes. And yes. And, and same thing with clients. I mean, if you got a client where it feels like this is a bad client, this is not going to end well. I we're off on the wrong foot. There's, you got such a temptation to just say, okay, I'm going to take their money. Or, I mean, for me, I felt, I felt like, okay, I need to provide good service. I am not the owner in the beginning. It's like, all right, I'm not the owner. And what kind of a bad employee or representative am I being if I got this really difficult client and I just say, we can't work with you. It's like, I don't have the right to fire clients as a new mm -hmm. person. And you may not feel like you have the right to do that because there's so many people involved in a real estate transaction. It's complicated. You got the real estate agents and everybody else, and it's all hinging on this home inspection. But mm -hmm. there are a handful of home inspections where I wish I would have just stopped the inspection in the middle of it and said, look, um, we can't work together. Or I had a belligerent seller who wasn't even our client, somebody who was just obnoxious at the house. And I should have said, look, either you need to leave or, or leave us alone and stay in a different part of the house or I'm going to leave. We can't both be here at the same time as respectfully as possible. And yeah. I didn't in a couple of those cases. And it was just nasty, nasty tough. situations. Yeah. Very tough. Yeah. Those yep. are tough situations. You've had your share of those, sure. huh? I've had a few of those. Yeah. Those are not easy. It takes confidence to be able to say that, but it's for the best in the long run. <laughs> if yeah. you, again, you go to those, do those hard things, you know. One thing I was going to add to this list that one thing I've kind of, you know, observed with you, Ruben, over the years that we worked together was that you always just kind of had an open mind and were willing to to try something. You were open to suggestions, open to new things, and you were um you were willing to kind of take risks and invest in things or people um that, you know, there was no guarantee it would work out. And sometimes things worked out and sometimes they didn't. And that was okay. That was kind of part of the company culture. It's like, we are trying to be the best versions of ourselves and change is a part of life. And I think it helped ultimately 
structure tech kind of find its way, but in a, you know, through a process that doesn't have to be perfect. And you stay curious, you stay open and you stay humble. <laughs> yes. And ultimately, you know, you grow and you improve. Yeah. And, you know, kind of the, the guiding question for any of that stuff, should I do this new thing? It's not what we're accustomed to is what does it do for your client, for your customer? Does it result in a better product? Like, Hey, normally I don't move this out of the way and, and we're really not supposed to move this, but it's really important that I get back here to see this. Someone does it and they break something. I will never get on them for that. Like the reason was I felt like I really needed to get back here and see this. Well, good on you. Fantastic. I will pay for that broken, whatever it was every single time. Cause you were trying to do a better job for your client. I totally have your back 100%. But if it's the other direction, like you know, oh, this is going to take too much time or it just, it stemmed out of laziness and not doing a better job. That's where it frustrates me. Mm-hmm. So the guiding question is always, are you doing a better job for your client? Is that what it comes down to? Yeah. Or on the opposite side of that, are you trying to protect your own butt? That's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. On closing, one other thing I think that's that has helped Structure Tech grow to to where it is today and helped the success of of the company is just your humility and your integrity, which is then, you know, reflected amongst all of the employees as well. It's something I think that is definitely not valued enough and we could we could use more of it in this industry. <laughs> I'm not saying everyone is a jerk out there, but we could all use a, a good dose of humility and an integrity goes a long way when you're building relationships and building a company. Well thanks. So thanks. I think I, yeah, yeah. I think that's I know um you, you spend a little time yeah. on home inspection forums every now and then. <laughs> 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 you know, there's some, there's some, uh, there's some rude, mean people out there, and it's not just home inspectors, just yeah. this entire world. So, just be a good human, treat people the way you want to be treated, and be kind. We're not going to do any better than that, Tess. That's a good wrap. <laughs> <laughs> way to close it out. Thank you. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, th- this was a fun discussion and I'm glad Christopher wrote in and appreciate that feedback. And if anyone else is listening to this podcast and you have any questions or ideas on topics that we could discuss, please send us an email. Ruben, how do they reach us? You can email us podcast at structuretech.com. All right. Thank you all for listening. Appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Take care. Bye.